0: Good day. You're tuned into Free City Radio. This is the 42nd edition. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm your host Stefan Christoph in Montreal, and it is Tuesday, May 18th. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the program. I got the opportunity to speak with Emil Wyax, uh, who is a hip hop artist, a community organizer, and educator from Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, Emile YX uh, has been foundational to uh, hip-hop culture, especially within the context of the apartheid government and regime in South Africa. Emile YX was really important in um, the youth protests, student protests that took place and the role of cultural workers uh, within that context. Um, And I spoke with him about... um, that history, but also the importance of thinking of legacies of struggle, looking at um, the importance of collective action and collective education uh, in the face of what, you know, we're all looking at in 2021, which is uh, a lot of individualist narratives about history and about contemporary moments. The pandemic has encouraged us to think critically about individualist narratives, So I thought it was interesting to hear from an artist and a community organizer who really has been part of shaping a collective struggle, the collective struggle against apartheid. And we sort of discuss a lot of those ideas. So I was really happy to speak with Emil, who has been part of those collective struggles in that history. Um, He co-founded Black Noise and Heal the Hood uh, in Cape Town. And I want to thank both Salim Valley and Aziz Chaudhry for suggesting uh, this connection here on Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christophe, in Montreal. This is the 42nd edition of the podcast. And uh, here's my conversation with Emile YX. I'm joined by Emile YX, uh, who is a um, hip hop artist uh, and hip hop cultural worker. Uh, and producer uh, from South Africa. I heard about Emile's work uh, from a friend um, about your work's importance in uh, bridging uh, hip hop worlds in the context of apartheid, but also creating a unique South African voice around hip hop culture and starting in the 1980s. It's really a pleasure to get a chance to learn a bit more about your work and to speak with you today, thank you so much.
1: No problem, yeah.
0: Thanks. Um, So I guess just first to start, um, I guess when when people think about resistance uh, to apartheid's uh, system, uh, we do see the photos of marches, there's often music associated with that resistance. um, And of course uh, the struggle of political prisoners But we often don't see sort of like manifestations of uh, artistic voice, um, you know, in terms of hip hop culture or even just Mm -hmm. sort of Indigenous expressions of Black culture in the South African context as uh, as a form of of opposition, but also empowerment. I'm wondering, in, in that sort of context, could you share with us a bit about your background and how it was to create that space in, 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 you know, even in the U S it's, it was such a battle to create the space for hip hop, uh, imagine. So hearing about that experience in South Africa.
1: Yeah. I mean, our, our journey was one of, um, like f- a very personal one of finding oneself, you know, so hip hop, hip hop found us as a group of kids who were f- fascinated by black American culture. Mm -hmm. And anything from the US that black America was cool, you know, and we did it without any question. But we also come from a history of um, a displaced people, you know, so we have that commonality with the people of the South Bronx, is that they might be in, they might you know, be American, but they're not American. Like we might be uh, South African, but we're not African because of our, our mixed heritage in Cape Town. Because mm-hmm. it's a port city, and mm-hmm. so that that uh, that commonality is a very very profound and deep one that um, left uh, left us searching for ourselves. But also, our parents played all of the the songs that. Um, that that hip-hop sampled. So it wasn't foreign to us. When we heard it, we were like, yo, this, we know this music, guys. <laughs> like, that's from playing. an Isaac
0: pace track or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were yeah. like,
1: we know this from somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the meantime, our folks are like, stop doing that American stuff. We're like, you were listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's and, um, nice. you know, <laughs> and and uh, I think also the, the mixture, the rich mixture, which is also very um, obvious in, in the Bronx, played a role as well. And so mm-hmm. these these cultures, these people that are searching for themselves, mm-hmm. and I think only years later, I realized that it it was this, you know, common African First Nation um, tradition mm. of like cyclic chanting, cyclic sound mm. that, you know, created the repetition of the beatbox or the drum. If you think about the, hey, 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 that's a, that's a chant loop. And the beat is the same as... <coughs> So that
2: mm. that
1: chant that both drove the MC to shout or the storyteller to tell his story. Um, and so all these commonalities were there without us knowing it. You know, like mm. I, when I went into the circle the first time, I was like, this feels strangely familiar. Mm. And only years later, like post-apartheid, I was like, mm. oh man, like I saw a Bushman circle where they, you know, they're going into trance and they're chanting and someone's in the circle and it's that same energy, you know, mm. and... and only when once I, I b-boyed to live drums, mm. did I realize that it's a conversation, that the drummer mm. and the dance are having a conversation with each mm. other. Mm-hmm. And trance is reached once you are able to become the rhythm, you know. And, you know, the same way they say you go into like, going to like a, a zone, you know. And that is, that is to, like trance, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there was the story of like, you know, the kikha, the yila, the Bushman uh, healer would write the story onto the rock, you know, of, of what he saw in his vision mm. and that, you know, aerosol art, like all of the elements that are hip hop are actually, you know, so-called graffiti, all of these elements are present within mm. hip hop culture that is present in first nation people, you know? Mm. So, so I'm saying this because I mm. didn't know this when I got involved, I was like, mm-hmm. just, ah, oh, this is cool, but there was something, <laughs> something deeper, you know, um, That was at at work you know and also our hip-hop came at a point where myself and Shaheen of Prophets of the City were both involved with uh, anti-apartheid SRC's uh, student representative council movements Mm. and so it was we uh, once we heard rap music and we heard the um, what was the song called I think it's called the message or something where they rap about um, you know broken glass everywhere I think later on in the song somewhere there's a a thing about their flies and their faces and they're living like mice and the houses even make the ghetto look nice and they're speaking about Africa and so for the first time I was like we can actually speak about what's going on in our in our community Mm. you know and Mm. and and the irony about Cape Town rap is that everybody initially considered it to be anti-drug because the first rappers were rapping about the drug situation in the community or bad problems mm-hmm. relating mm-hmm. to apartheid but we yeah. were we were we were we were too young to comprehend like the struggle in an in and, and this is not just mm-hmm. like me but all of my generation so mm-hmm. hip-hop you know there's a there's a documentary called hip-hop revolution which i think completely distorts the role of hip-hop in um, in in the in bringing about the political change in south Africa mm-hmm. because those kids were way too young hip-hop didn't didn't have a big enough impact and following at that point mm-hmm. to really be a political force to bring about the change in the country it impacted myself and others that were my age that were part of the The uprisings in the schools Mm
2: -hmm, you -hmm. know
1: but we weren't you know most of those kids at the schools were not aware of what was going on politically and and to be honest with you I think that even those who gave up their lives were not aware about what was going on behind the scenes um, as far as nations exchanging uh, armaments and and all of the other like clandestine um, um, activity Mm -hmm. that was happening and Mm -hmm. so you know it's so I don't, th- I, th- I think often people make the mistake of saying that hip hop um, brought about this change in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I think hip hop started with like prophets of the city and black noise to become political mm-hmm. and, and actually start asking questions. When the rest of the world was celebrating um, Nelson mm-hmm. Mandela, we were asking pertinent questions about mm-hmm. how, how, how is the freedom charter being implemented? You know, why is there no education for free? Mm -hmm. Why are we not learning about African history and African heritage? Mm -hmm. So all the, I think the important questions that were not being asked Mm -hmm. were were being asked by, you know, uh, I know a story of POC at um, Mandela's um, um, inauguration where Mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to perform a certain song because Mm -hmm. they were questioning that very thing and, and they were told, no, you can't. You can't perform. And I think the sound was actually switched off and they continued beatboxing and rapping until the mics were switched off. And so to us involved in like the black consciousness movement in the hip hop and nation of Islam and 5% and all of that information that where the rest of the country and the world was celebrating our liberation, we were like, Oh shit. We know what's coming because we actually, and there were people like Neville Alexander who were pointing. We didn't really know that then. But he was pointing in his house, I remember his house got bombed, like this was when people were getting ready for the, the election. And I was like, why are they bombing this dude's place? Because he in had- In
0: 1994?
1: Yeah. Around that same period, just before the election, actually. Mm-hmm. And so only afterwards we realized, oh, because he was speaking about that the current government is buying into the franchise of capitalism. Because he didn't, he said, we didn't fight for this. So- you know I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean thanks for all this background. I think um one just point I just wanted to sort of draw on a little bit that yeah. maybe people haven't got the chance. Some people watching this might not have gotten the chance to hear directly from somebody had, who had a relationship to the student protests that mm-hmm. took place uh during apartheid and um yeah, I've spoken with Salim Valley before on the on this yeah. program uh South Af- African um activist, but um, it's interesting to think about also that a lot of people who became um, important in the cultural scene or the music scene had very foundational experiences in in those student led protests. And often we hear about the struggle against apartheid through narratives that are very centered on leadership, ANC yeah. leadership. Yeah. So if, if you could share with us a bit more about the importance of those actions but also how it informed your work as an artist? Yeah,
1: I mean, for, for me, it was try, it was difficult to find the information necessary. You know, even though like these, the leadership was there, I mm. mean, for one, we knew that what, what we were confronted with was wrong. We knew that apartheid as an entity, the structure was wrong and needed to of be course. toppled. Right? And as a kid, I mean, I was like 16, 15, when it started out and, shouting things like uh, freedom or death victory is certain, you know, like kids said that and they understood the implication because they were seeing people dying around them and they were willing to sacrifice their lives because they, they knew that the the ultimate sacrifice was necessary Mm -hmm. in order for us to get the world to see the horror of, of what we were up against, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so as a kid, not knowing the real information necessary i think the people forget that in the same way that with with palestine people have been living with this so people fall in love they get married they have children they they party they play in the streets sure you know life Mm -hmm. goes on and often people forget that that people have been in in it for such a long time that to a certain extent there's a generation that doesn't believe it can change Mm -hmm. you know because they've just been They they've seen it for too long, and then this this Mm -hmm. this new generation is like we we are willing to give give sacrifice everything so that our children don't have to not knowing that their parents to a great extent also did the same thing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just how society I suppose operates. You know, you don't listen to your elders, (laughs) you think you can do much better than them always, Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 what 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 that experience was like was. Um, going fearfully to like these mass gatherings. You know, there's actually a song and I I put up the actual footage of a day I, it's called Butterflies Fly By. It's a day I actually attended a um, a mass rally in Weinberg. It's the same day that the Weinberg Seven were arrested. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those kids have never been the same because of, being, I was part of the kids that did the protest but those guys were arrested and they were called the Weinberg seven on that so, same so day pro-
0: the, just, just for people who aren't aware that protest was
1: uh, it was a, a, a anti-apartheid uh, um, school rally mm-hmm. so kids from around the, the, the area I live all came together at one school in, in mm-hmm. Weinberg and um, on that same day it was just mass mobilization of the youth you know on that same day in mm-hmm. another area, um, a, a group of kids got together on Thornton Road where um, the event called the Trojan Wars um, where the security forces hid inside this railway truck. And as the truck came, the kids were stoning it because they were stoning all government um, vehicles. Yeah, and symbols
0: of the-, the apartheid state. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And then they popped out on top and started shooting at random and killed quite a few kids. That what standing. day
2: was this? this
1: was the, I think it was the, the date of the 20... 20- 25th of October, mm. uh, 1985. Wow. Okay. So this happened on, on the same day in two different areas, and I was at the one place in Weinberg where it happened. And I've never I never spoke about it, and I I only started writing about it way afterwards. Because you know you they actually the weirdest thing happened was I was in uh, touring Sweden with Black Noise, and one of the, the, the teachers asked me, can I share with the kids? And I, as I was vividly telling the story, kids mm-hmm. started crying in the audience because they would, they'd spend a few days with us. And, you know, you push back this and you, you giggle and laugh to, to hide the pain of what you actually went through as a kid. Yes. And when these these kids started crying, it dawned on me, damn, like I haven't dealt with it either mm-hmm. because I, you know, I had to push it back, you know. And mm-hmm. so I wrote this, this song. And as soon as I wrote the song, <laughs> a friend of mine sent me, um, had done a documentary about black noise and sent me my tapes back. And when the tapes came back, there was this extra tape. I was like, yo, this isn't mine, but you know, you always want to see what's on it. <laughs> so I, mm. as I put it in to look at it, it was this actual day of the, of the, um, the Weinberg event, the rally at Weinberg that I attended you know wow. and so and so all i did was I because i had written the song already i just added the footage and it's there's probably almost i think 400,000 people have watched it you know and there's, wow. there, there's over 1000 people that have uh, that were there and you know commented about that this helped them to deal with it because they they never ever dealt with it. There was there was a kid that commented that, you know, I never knew my dad. or Our community was involved with this struggle because all they always show is is shovel uh, or, you know, the black involvement and not necessarily like the so-called mixed race coloured people from Cape Town participating in this anti-apartheid movement. Mm-hmm. And so, it gave opportunity for people to engage with their, with their kids, you know, because kids saw their, their or their parents saw themselves. And we're like showing their children, and then their children wrote to me and said, "Yeah, this was so necessary.
2: We, mm-hmm. we needed
1: to have my mm-hmm. dad speak about this." You know, people were writing from England and from Australia and New Zealand. Who all left the country? You know, who yeah. were all there on that day, mm-hmm. and like you know, mentioning how they could still smell the, the tear gas and what it felt like running away from being shot at as a kid, mm-hmm. and you know, having a gun being pointed at you while you're sitting in a in a school court listening to the speaker. Mm-hmm. so it's very profound like in, impact on a huge amount of people that i think you know is embedded in the high level of crime and, and violence in south africa mm-hmm. domestic violence yeah. uh, you know uh, gender based violence all of those things have this this history of hurt that has never been um, never been addressed you know and um, and so 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 that's mm-hmm. the i think that that's the the reality of south africa that people you know, people have been almost romanced out of, you know, by the the illusion of this TRC fixed everything. TRC was horrible. You know, I cried every the night. Truth and
0: night
1: Yeah, the truth and rec- reconciliation. It was like it was like a freak show for people to feel good who who hurt us, and we felt we continued to feel bad, and we never like none of our pain was alleviated by it. the people who were there. I mean, I sat watching. Um, uh, one of the, the uh, young women who was at at the TRC sp- speak about this day that I was that I was at that school, yeah, and explain what she went through, and I I was bawling, you know. I mean, my my folks had like left they didn't want to you know see us be hurt any longer, so they obviously like, you know, and a lot of people gave up on it as as soon as it was showing our pain mostly, people were like, this isn't helping us. It's just you yeah, we're remembering, but we nobody's there's no therapy for this. You know, it's just we we have to deal with the and and at the same time, these people are being forgiven who caused us the pain. You know, left, right, and center, they are being forgiven and like there's no there's no reparations, there's no mm-hmm. nothing. You know. So, so I was I wa- yeah.
0: well. Thank you so much for sharing that. I wanted to build on that point just in terms of understanding, um, not just the point of like quote unquote post-apartheid South Africa. But just sort of like conceptually to think about mainstream narratives around like seismic political change, right? I mean, what the 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 details that you're sharing about your experience in the student-led protests, the youth protests, and and also the apartheid-era state repression and violence that people experienced, um, and how that wasn't addressed, um, and and just to sort of link to sort of maybe uh, to think critically about current events right um there's of course a lot of economic and neoliberal policies of inequality that continue yeah. in south africa but also to think about sort of the ways that coming to terms with the 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 trauma the collective social trauma of these events is important and and you know and tying it to what you were saying about thinking about the way the news reports on events. So, you know, we're, you know, you mentioned Palestine and, you know, we're getting reports. I'm just mentioning that because it's in the news right now. And I know there's such an important solidarity movement for Palestine in South Africa, you know, this idea that, okay, well, there's this many people died, there's this many people injured and there's these statistics, but obviously as you shared, um, these moments have like lasting legacies that impact communities for a long time. Um, yeah. If you could speak to the importance of, of trying to understand and grapple with sort of that legacy impact of like yeah. systemic colonialist violence
1: yeah you know the I, I think for, for me, it's been a, a, a lifelong journey to to find um, find peace within myself, first mm-hmm. of all, you know. And to find myself, you know, and, and, and so hip hop, hip hop was the, the gateway to that, mm. you know, that, that there were people that have experienced this before, before, you know, and mm. people that once I took a step in their direction would find me. And, I, and I've been lucky because I've been able to take steps in those directions, you know, Wait and, on. you know, and so, uh, but it's not, that's not the story for everyone. Because the the majority of the people are confronted with the, the the normality, you know, and and when I was a qualified school teacher, I, I was confronted with a lot of that normality of like, I'd get uh, I'd get um, books from the U or, or photocopied pages from books in the U.S. because I, I was searching for my for my my ancestry I couldn't find it in South Africa in schools, you know. Mm-hmm. Or in libraries, because obviously the, the the state had removed all of those black consciousness information. Wow! And so people would send me this uh, snippets. You know, actually, the first time I I was exposed to something that was profound was the song "War" by uh, Bob Marley and the Wailers, mm-hmm. where which is the speech yeah. of Haile Selassie. And I was, that blew me away. I was like, first of all, I couldn't understand why the security forces would allow that album to be sold (laughs) i was like Mm. how did this album get (laughs) into the store (laughs) there was this information right and so i knew that there was more out there like this richness of of great thinkers like Mm. you know where's the content that gave mandela and those guys this confidence you know and so like it was more like a breadcrumb trail trying to find that you know and it's difficult to explain to people who live outside of south africa because it's i mean i i suppose i shouldn't say that because even here in the us i see like african-american communities not being able to or not knowing the amount of things that they've contributed to civilization you know um, both here in the united states and in in africa uh, as as part of their ancestry So, so accessing that information through like bits and pieces is what brought me to to, fuck, to walk a different path. I, I left teaching. As soon as I got this information, I was like sharing it with the kids in my class because I couldn't hold it to myself. I was like, I'm a teacher. I'm supposed to, you know, share this. And immediately, this is still during, during apartheid, you
0: know? Oh, wow. And,
1: okay. Yeah, and so, so it became uh, that the principal became nervous because I was sharing this, like, because I was speaking about, like, the fact that, you know, because the religious schools are saying possibly Jesus was black. You know, he wasn't what you see on this <laughs> and obviously parents were like oh hell no you're not telling my kid that and um <laughs> which i as a parent now understand <laughs> but because you were i was bubbling over with this desire to get the the change of the content of what was being taught and one of the books i think it was i think it was the the broader files Um, Anthony Browder wrote this book where he dissected various things, and I think it was in there that he said that it's not knowledge that is power, but it is the ones who control the content of what constitutes knowledge that have the power. And as soon as I I read that, I was like, damn, Mm -hmm. there's no way that we can change this if the educational Mm -hmm. content is extremely Eurocentric in South Africa. And it's remained that way, by the way. And so Mm Once I was confronted with this, you know, blockage, I left. I was like, how do I, I can't, I can't. So you were teaching in the
0: early nineties
1: then? I was, yeah, I was, I started teaching in 1989. Okay. Yeah. I and um, I, I taught for like three years and then I was like, yo, I can't, I can't do this, which is a huge step for my community. Like teaching is like a, a luxury job back in the sure, day sure. <laughs> because it's you had right. access it's to right. all of these government type of perks, you know, mm. if you play along. Obviously, and I didn't want to play along. So, no. No. <laughs> um, and so, like I think those, like those, that first um, step out of the norm mm. made me see the norm completely differently f- from most people, mm. you know. And I still do till this day. Like what, when, like everybody's wanting to buy in and assimilate into this this system, yeah. I don't see that as the way for us to bring about change. Like it's the system is. Caused almost the complete destruction of the planet for me to send, for us to send our kids to that system to continue doing that, mm-hmm. makes no no sense to me whatsoever, you know. Um, so anyway, so all of this, I think the history of that, that, uh, info, that initial information from our elders, mm-hmm. and it was small things that they said, like people like Dr. Neville Alexander, his statement about, you know, why are we buying into the franchise of capitalism? Mm-hmm. You know? Why aren't we teaching uh, f- uh, people to learn in their first language in their mother tongue education? Why aren't, they, why aren't we learning in those? Those, are, those seem small, but they are hugely political things, mm-hmm. you know? And so those things spark my desire to bring about the new thinking. And that piece that I just mentioned about the content, oh, noisy. Are you picking that up? It's okay. okay? All right. Okay. And so those like those initial uh, influences made me look to ways to change um, the outcome, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so hence creating organizations like the Underwood Project and creating activities in the community because I, I knew that it wasn't going to come from the status quo. I knew that the status quo didn't have this interest in bringing about change that really is impactful, you
2: mm-hmm. know? And
1: mm-hmm. so myself and like, even the, the guys from prophets of the city had the same um at the same information we were sharing this information and we all worked in this using hip-hop uh, hip-hop culture to try and bring about changes within the communities that Ooh. we worked in initially it was we thought we were going to the change was going to be massive because we were we were part of the um, the election campaign and the ANC's, you know, the ANC election campaign, because we believed, we actually, till that point, uh, believed that the, 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 um, the regime we were fighting for would bring about the, the change we were talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's only once we participated in this, um, in the elections and going to these meetings where we were like, wait a minute, this mm-hmm. isn't what we were fighting for.
2: Yeah. you know. Yeah, so
1: it took, a, yeah. it took a while for that to register because of how, I think we were like blind, uh, blind to the, you know, I mean, Mandela is a powerful man <laughs> historically. So when you're on stage with him, like I had an opportunity, I didn't meet him, but I was on stage performing while he was doing his speeches in, in different places during this period of time. Wow. It felt like, you know, like the second coming type of thing, if you, like the whole biblical context, right?
2: <laughs> like yeah, this, could be,
1: this could be it for Africa and South Africans specifically wow. to change our thinking and then to slowly like be confronted with everything else that was happening and, and realizing why people like Chris would take were killed, you know, um, because of his, his strong belief in like a different way, a, a non-capitalistic way. Mm. You know, and so we those things started becoming, oh, then we started realizing, oh, that's why they bombed Neville Alexander's house. That's why this person was taken out. That's why Winnie Mandela was shown to be completely like off a mind by the general media just to like took this amount of time after the fact to see all of the, uh, the, the things that were happening behind sure. the scenes. Sure. You know, sure, sure, sure. Um, and well, and the powers that are truly at, at play in our country.
0: Well thanks for sharing all that. I mean, I really hope that people pick up um and read about Neville Alexander and and other important figures of yeah. revolutionary movements in South Africa uh, and pick pick that up. Emile YX uh is speaking to us um who is Uh, an artist that has been involved for many years in networks of culture and, and hip hop culture, specifically in South Africa. Um, So I guess, uh, you know, we could go in many directions, but just for people to maybe think critically about um, both sort of legacies of struggles for change and where things are at right now, because I think often um, we've, not, not maybe the public, but the mainstream narratives sort of like fix us to this idea. Is like, oh, this chapter's closed, you know, mm. or you know, yeah, the the election of Mandela you're talking about, which you participated in as a cultural worker, um, that led to a new era, or you know, we we're talking about Palestine, the Oslo Accords will lead to a new era, but all these things are put under. Um, the surface but just the I think artists have always played uh, this is a obvious point but I think it could be interesting to hear your thoughts about it Um, just in the sense that artists have always played socially engaged artists have always played an important role in trying to bring up difficult questions or lingering um you know, reflections on yeah. systemic injustice. Um, so, what does that mean today in South Africa? And 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 maybe just sort of highlight um, maybe one or two key issues today that you think are connected to a lot of what you've been talking to us and sharing with us about this legacy and this history.
1: I mean, the, the, you know the globalization that has taken place uh, has brought this illusion of overnight economic success to everyone's uh, phone. You know, you can be an influencer and a multimillionaire at, you know, by clicking here and this funnel will take you to all the answers you ever need, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's everywhere. And, and the the majority of the thinking in South Africa, that's been, that's been splashed on, on, in the general media of success being this super wealthy, you know, and, mm-hmm. And and then nothing else, you know. Like there's wow. no, yeah. There's no. Um, the the people doing the work are seldom seen. The people who are out in in the, in the townships, uh, you know, with soup kitchens and teaching a child in the garage are very seldom celebrated as much as, like, you know, uh, the uh, the owner of Amazon, for example. <laughs> you know, he's like lauded globally, you know. And the, and 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 the same with like the local version of them are, mm. are, are what is pushed to the kids at the school. You can mm. become this if you just study hard, you know? Mm. And so it's that same narrative that I see everywhere else that people want to get the best job. So they have a, a, a luxurious life, you know,
0: individualist and, frameworks. Yeah. Extremely liberal.
1: Yeah, exactly. But in the background, there's this reality that is everywhere and, and you can only see it when you go. You know, and so I've been privileged to, and and it's it's changed as well. When I first went out, there were many more of them. You know, there were so many little organizations and groups that were out there just, you know, pushing as much as they could to feed the kids on like uh, non-existing budgets. Mm-hmm. And we'd go out and we'd teach kids who had no access to like um, any extramural activities. So when we'd come and do like mm-hmm. a b-boy workshop, there'd be like hundreds of kids. Like, please, I want to join sure. in. I want to, you know. Versus like more recently that i've been back in, in South Africa is like so the, the fear has been amplified so kids don't come um, like you can 't have an after school event because kids all leave to go home because they uh-huh. they're so afraid of being on the road on their own because you know and and to a certain extent in some places rightfully so with the amount of gang violence that is taking place in certain areas, but it's a national narrative so kids the bell rings and kids speed off they they don't want to be involved in anything and that's the only time that we were able to access them before more and so we've insisted that the only time we'll teach is if you give us an actual uh class during the school day sure you know and so we have so we've been able to because the content of what we're teaching is is the teachers are realizing yeah this this is helping a great deal because kids who you know, who never rapped, who never sang, who never spoke, who never danced, are now coming, you know, coming out of their little cocoons, and and it's helping with the education, you know, exactly. uh, on, a, on exactly. a broader scope, you know. So so for me, like that, um, like that, that is the the, for the 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 real where the real changes are taking place in South Africa, and unfortunately, the the mass media is in the pocket of who's selling that other version of. Mm of of success you know mm. and um and so a lot of our work like i mean in, in 20 in two, 2009 we <laughs> over the years we've had we've we've made contact in each province in mm. in, our, in our country and so wow. that year we went to sleep on the floor in people's houses and taught for free Throughout the country and went to schools, and <laughs> some schools didn 't like some of the things we were saying because you know we were, we were speaking truth to power you know we were we were exposing histories that nobody else was speaking about mm. you know we were we were exposing the the contributions that Africa has made to civilization, which some mm. schools were feeling awkward because they were white kids, and we were speaking about you know black consciousness and Africans that have contributed to civilization, which makes no sense because you know has it okay to just speak about europeans that have contributed and, and not yeah, africans yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so so it was a, a huge eye-opener for me mm-hmm. that throughout the entire country we saw 50 schools and it's about like maybe around sixty thousand kids in a period of a month right mm. and like just more than a month and every school we went to the kids were hungry for information for information about, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 you know yeah and so you know we decided then to create a pilot version of that in in cape town
2: hmm. and
1: create the syllabus so and and right we, we and we so when they go to the school like there's a guy doing art there's a guy doing dance there's a guy doing hmm. beat production there's a guy doing rapping and singing
2: hmm.
1: and so kids are given all these possibilities of, wow. of, of where. But, but within that that syllabus is this information I was sharing at all of those all of those schools mm. about Africa's um, mm. like, like creation story from Africa so mm. kids never ever heard about the creation story of Kachen, which is a bushman uh, story and so we I've actually animated that story um since since I found out about it and um so kids are, are see are are not only told the story, but they see these images to counter the images that they've the other animation that they see from Disney. Sure, sure. <laughs> and and so when you have that and you show kids like you, know, you you have ability to to draw, like why can't you draw a superhero from your community? Mm-hmm. Why can't you be the local version of the guy that you know created Marvel? You know,
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: and when it's tangible, like more of them see, oh, this is how I can I can you wow. know, share this, 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 this information. And then they take it back to their parents and their parents then like, where are you getting this from? You know, like we never heard about this. And so from Emile yeah, YX. Yeah. Well, not the Hilda Wood takes the blame. <laughs> and, and, Chris, and Chris. you know, and so the, the, the organization there's there's been this shift mm-hmm. um, to, to not only um, teach, the, the kids, but to also the facilitators. And, mm. and we've had, uh, I've had a group of guys with me. Um, I called it the practical hip hop school. They called mixed menses. So they were with me for mm. since 20, what's it like 11 years, yeah, 11 years now. Wow. So for me, the, what I realize is that the education is, is circular. Like I'm teaching them and I'm learning in the process and they teaching me by the, the exchange. Wow. Whereas, you know the normal education is linear it's just you t- people are telling you, you mm-hmm. know they're not they're not they're not willing to learn as well from the process you mm-hmm. know and so the circular education is and also experiential e- education mm-hmm. has been a massive eye opener you mm-hmm. know like even while the facilitators at the school right now they are they are watching to see how they can change what they're teaching so that it fits with the current uh, conversations that are happening with kids, you
0: know. Well, it seems like there's this like theme that I'm hearing, both about the collectivity of resistance to apartheid. You're talking about in terms of the student protests and sort of the struggles against an individualist narrative through ANC yeah. leadership versus also like neoliberal narratives that push individualist sort of solutions to collective injustices, as opposed to like this collective approach around grassroots education and the use of culture in that, in that process. Yeah. That's all super um, and, and the important. action, I
1: must, I must I add, think. that the action that people see is, is the real power. So these kids see us do this and that is what empowers them. They are someone that they can relate to It's mm. someone in their community. Yeah. And so, I mean, since we started doing this, they've been, their kids were, were full-time B-boys. You know, they make a living from, because they've seen from our experience of the of what they, you know, of, of who've got, who's gone before. Mm. And now they're touring, like, you know, with the B, with Red Bull, or whatever. they're touring the world, mm. teaching and feeling fully confident about yeah. this this choice because yeah. others were willing to make those choices before you know yeah. it's not something that's foreign to them that someone oh, else actually, oh, actually oh, plays oh. the path before them yeah. you know and also like that once you 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 in the community and you're hosting an event then other kids are like why well, I, I can host an event in my community and like a you like a, 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 um, this this guy from johannesburg named Osmic, he uh, years ago came to one of our, our events in cape town he now runs the biggest, ev- he runs three events. One is called Back to the City. Over 25,000 people attend this event in Johannesburg on South Africa's Freedom Day. He runs um, the South African Hip Hop Museum. He runs, and he, all of this He created out of, uh, and, and the last thing he does is the South African uh, Hip Hop Awards. Mm. And all of this, he's in Johannesburg, so it's an economic hub. But he he, he told me one day that he came to Cape Town and he saw what I was doing. And he's like, how can I just amplify this where the money is in Johannesburg? You know, and so wow. like wow. him saying that, I was like, damn, just by pe- you know, your actions are extremely powerful. Yeah. And so that for me, I mean, and, and again, when he did that, one of the biggest rappers in South Africa, um, Casper Norvest, he decided to fill a stadium and has never been done before, you know, just off the back of when he came to back to the city, he was like, wow. So the, you know, our actions snowball other people's willingness to take those, those chances mm-hmm. because others have, have set an example, you know? And so wow. th- that for me was the biggest lesson is to take the action and others will learn from it and, and do better than, than you ever did. At it. <laughs> you know?
0: Wow. Wow that's a great <clears throat> reflection to um end on um I think that that can apply to so many contexts so Emil thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today
1: It's a pleasure I I needed the 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 reflection <laughs> Right it's on It's been a while <laughs> Thank you again it's a pleasure.
0: That was a conversation with Emil YX, uh, who is from Cape Town, South Africa, and was a founding member of the ensemble Black Noise and also was involved in the foundation of Heal the Hood. Uh, Emile YX has been very important to the emergence of hip-hop culture in the context of South Africa um, and the apartheid government and the struggle against that. Uh, there was so many important student protests Uh, We heard about that in that interview. Um, So thank you so much to Emil for being on Free City Radio today. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. We share a new episode with you every Tuesday. If you like what you hear, please encourage friends to subscribe. Uh, You can do so um, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Just look up Free City Radio. If you want to write me, you can contact me at c h r i s t o f f at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is spirodon, S-P-I-R-O-D-O-N. And um, thanks again for being with us on Free City Radio, the 42nd edition. And to go out, we'll hear a track from Emil's uh, group, uh, the group that he was part of, Black Noise. I'll talk to you next week. And uh, as we heard in the interview, it's very important right now to say free Palestine, to end Israeli apartheid, and thinking critically and meaningfully about the connection and the, the strong relationship between the struggle against apartheid in South Africa and the struggle against Israeli apartheid is really important as we continue to build the global boycott, divestment and sanctions movement against the Israeli government. So thanks again to Emil YX for joining the show and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take it easy.
2: Nugs, net, of moose I see so quarter mile of for the first rebels Gatsby. my of the my we city in the plain the
1: where B-Boy Mikey did stay ya Way back in the day in the 1982's We were the first breakdance cruiser I Remember Route 66 in the center Had was the <tie> <e-ste compie tie> ons ons eerste compie gewin ya Maat ons een plek aan die lente gier Daar had die gedachte van Black Noise gebier Heet me Molly Mikey, Tommy in die mail Wat ons aangepraten, het is verdacht <tie> voor heel Practice bij deze is een a- blikbaar reform Onze hiphop kroeg, gedachte was die warm Doe for self en nikkeren met iedereen Now Heal the hoots about healing your brain la 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 la
2: is what we could be about when you brush is babies, but the light is after. Up, up the people now. on to your marks, it's it go. But now I'm a change to change bang, like your light is song, that's it wrong sprung. Make the
1: prunk goes heal the hood means in the hood is all good. Understood of overstand. Welcome to the land of scene. You see I've the eerste man. But they see
2: I'm not ethnic African. Yes, the means of funny land. He plain the means of funny la, coy Mitchell's playing with black, blue, Mitchell's playing, Mitchell's playing with Mitchell's playing, playing playing